Hello, Word Nerds. Welcome to another episode of the podcast called The Dictionary. Uh, I just remembered that two episodes ago, I said that uh, there are a couple of words that have the most definitions in the dictionary, and I forgot to tell you what the second word was in the last episode. So I'll tell you right now. Uh, the So the first word is run. Supposedly, it has somewhere between, I don't know, four and 600 definitions. Um, and then the other word, which has about the same amount... Um, I should probably find a link to this. It is the word set, S-E-T. It has hundreds of definitions, um, and that will be those will be exciting words to get to uh, whenever that happens, if I make it that far. Uh, and that reminds me of this game I, I learned when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old called Set, and it's, uh, it's still around, and it's a great game, and I think you all should learn it. It's very difficult for... Uh, kids, or no, for adults to learn it because, you know, it's just harder. Um, But if you've got kids, you should teach them the game set. Uh, And I actually just went to the page for set. There are three forms, and they take up, oh, probably more than a full column in this, which is insane. Okay, now let us say some words. The first word for this episode is bedside. B-E-D-S-I-D-E. It is the first form. Noun from the 14th century. The side of a bed. A place beside a bed. Second form of bedside. Adjective from 1787. One of relating to or conducted at the bedside. As in a bedside diagnosis. Number two. Suitable for reading in bed. As in a bedside book. Well, what is suitable for reading in bed and what is not suitable for reading in bed? I don't know. Next is bedside manner. Two words, noun from 1848. The manner that a physician assumes toward patients. They should have some good bedside manner because if they don't, that's not great for the patient and the family. And I think they, they, have to, they have to really learn that and train because it is not a natural skill necessarily. Next is bed-sitter. There's a hyphen between the two words. Noun from 1899. It is British. A one-room apartment serving as both bedroom and sitting room. Called also bed-sit or bed-sitting room. Which, by the way, is three words with two hyphens. So this is from uh, the word, the term bed-sitting room. Plus the suffix er as in refresher, which is freshman, or rugger, which is rugby. The, the, I'm a little confused because I'm not British, but that's how the British say things. Now we have bed sore. It is a noun from 1826. An ulceration of tissue deprived of adequate blood supply by prolonged pressure, called also decubitus ulcer. Sharon, did I say that right? Decubitus? I said it right, sweet. Uh, Those sound bad. If you are laying in bed for a very long time, you could get bed sores, so you have to move around every once in a while. So don't do that. Next is bedspread. It is a noun from 1820. A usually ornamental cloth cover for a bed. Next is bedspring. Noun from 1858. A spring supporting a mattress. Next is bedstead, B-E-D-S-T-E-A-D. It is a noun from the 15th century, the framework of a bed. 
Middle English, bedstead, uh, S-T-E-D-E, from bed plus stead, which means stead. That's the S-T-E-A-D version. Um, also means place. And there's more at the word stead. Next is bed straw. That is not the thing that you would use to stick into a waterbed to drink the water, because that would be weird. This is something else. It is a noun from 1527. Any of a genus of herbs of the matter family having squarish stems, whorled leaves, and small flowers. And the scientific name is gallium, with one L. And this is, uh, the etymology comes from its use for mattresses. So back in the day, in 1527-ish, they would use these bed straws and put them in mattresses, and that's how it became the bed straw. Next, we have bed table. Two words. Noun from 1811. One, an adjustable table used, as for eating or writing, by a person in bed. Number two, a small table beside a bed. Next is bedtime. Why can't that be now? It is a noun from the 13th century, a time for going to bed. You all probably have slightly different, or most of you, have slightly different bedtimes right now because of the quarantine. I know I do. I've definitely been going to bed later than I used to and waking up later than I used to. Um, But I think I'm going to try to get back into a slightly more normal schedule, uh, try and be a little bit more productive in the mornings, maybe do some stretches or something. Next is bedtime story. Two words. Noun from 1868. A story read or recounted to someone as a child at bedtime. What's your bedtime story? Um, I just learned, actually, that my cousin and his daughter wrote a kid's book. I don't know if it would be good for bedtime story, but it might be. Um, maybe I will actually... Uh, they, it's only on Kindle right now, but maybe I'll put a link to that in the episode description. Uh, I'm very excited for them. That's really awesome. Uh, next, we have Bedou. No, Bedou. I think the emphasis is on the first syllable. B-E-D-U. It is a noun, often capitalized, from 1871. Um, and this is related to the word Bedouin from last episode. Uh, so, And that's what it is. That's the synonym is Bedouin. So this is from the Arabic word B-A-D-W, which means desert or desert dweller. I want to be a dessert dweller. Next is bed warmer. Two words. Noun from 1740. A covered pan containing hot colds used to warm a bed. Thankfully, we don't, most of us don't need things like that anymore. Next is bed wedding. Two words with a hyphen. Noun from 1890. Enuresis, especially when occurring in bed during sleep. Uh, enuresis is E-N-U-R-E-S-I-S. I hope I said that correctly. Um, and then bed wetter is a noun. Next is the word B. B-E-E. It is the first form of three, and it is a noun from before the 12th century. Number one, any of numerous hymenopterous insects that differ from the related wasps, especially in the heavy, he- heavier, hairier body and in having sucking as well as chewing mouthparts that feed on pollen and nectar and that store both and often also honey. Excuse me. 
I ate a bee. I had to get rid of it. Uh, and then it says, wow, you can see the synonyms for lots of different synonyms in this book. Africanized bee, bumblebee, carpenter bee, honey bee, and sweat bee. What's a sweat bee? Uh, I think I said hymenopterus correctly. I'll have to look up what that means. Uh, and then we have number two, an eccentric notion. Synonym is fancy. Bee-like is an adjective. And bee in one's bonnet it doesn't have the full definition, but it just has the number two definition for the first form of B, which is what we just read, an eccentric notion or fancy. Uh, yeah, I think I'm reading that correctly. Um, I might have to put a clip in from They Might Be Giants, Birdhouse in Your Soul, because they say be in, one's, be in your bonnet, I think is what they say. Lots of too fine a point on it. Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet. Make a little birdhouse in your soul. So this is Middle English from Old English B-O, B-E-O, which is akin to the Old High German Bia, which means B, from Old Irish Bech or Beck, B-E-C-H, and from the Lithuanian Bitis, B-I-T-I-S. I mentioned this before, but uh, bee stings suck. I'm sure most of you have probably been stung by a bee. Uh, I hope you're not allergic to them, but yeah, they, they don't feel so good. Next, we have... The second form of B, it is a noun from the 14th century, and the definition just says the letter B. Now we have the third form of B. It is a noun from 1769, a gathering of people for a specific purpose, as in a quilting B. This is perhaps from the, what is the letter E? Is it Ethiopian? Is it Equatorian? I don't know. I'm just making up words now. I have to go back to um, this page that I still have not marked off. E. E is... Oh, it's East or Eastern or English. So, I'm assuming it's English in this uh, context. Perhaps from the English dialect, bean, B-E-E-N, or you could say bin, which means help given by neighbors... Uh, from the Middle English, B-E-N-E, which means prayer, or boon, from the Old English, ben, which means prayer, and there's more at the word boon. Interesting. Next, we have B, all caps, abbreviation for Bachelor of Electrical Engineering. Next is B, balm, B-A-L-M, noun from 1836, one, any of several, monardos. What's a monardos? M-O-N-A-R-D-A-S, especially the synonym Oswego Tea. And then number two, we have the synonym Lemon Balm. Next is the word Bee Bread, all one word, noun from 1657. Bitter yellowish-brown pollen stored up in honeycomb cells and used mixed with honey by bees as food. Next is Beech, B. E-E-C-H, noun, from, before the 12th century, any of a genus of hardwood trees with smooth gray bark and small edible nuts. Also, it's wood. Beechen is an adjective. Uh, so this etymology says it's from Middle English, bech, from Old English, beke, akin to um, the Old English, bok, which means beech, from Old High German, boha, B O 
no, B-U-O-H-H-A, that's a fun word to say, boha, although I don't think I'm saying it correctly, from the Latin fagus, from the Greek figos, which means oak. Now we have beech drops, one word, noun from 1813, a plant. Oh, I forgot to say that the uh, the genus name for beech is fagus of the family fagaceae, which is the beech family. So then beech drops, it is a plant of the broom rape family, parasitic on the roots of beeches, and that is beeches, B-E-E-C-H. And the scientific name for this plant is epiphagus, Virginiana. I wonder if they're from the state of Virginia. Next is beech nut. One word, noun from 1661. The nut of the beech. And then our last word for this episode is bee eater. B-E-E hyphen E-A-T-E-R. It is a noun from 1668. Any of a family of brightly colored, slender-billed, insectivorous, uh, chiefly tropical old world birds. And the scientific name is Meropidae. That was all the words. Uh, I need to pick one that I want to say is the word of the episode. Um, we will pick bedsore as the word of the episode because I want to make sure that you all are aware to try to not get bedsores. Sometimes you can't control it. If you're in a hospital, you might not be able to move by yourself. But hopefully your nurses are moving you so you don't get bed sores. You got something to say about bed sores? I treated a lot of people in nursing school with bed sores, and it's pretty, it's pretty sad. I feel bad for them. They can get pretty bad down to the bone. So. And I'm, I assume they're painful. Extremely painful, yeah. So don't get bed sores. That's the point of this one. Uh, that is it. I am the dispenser of words to you. Thank you and goodbye.